Trouble was the last thing on my mind as I drove down a leafy country lane on a sunny autumn morning. But trouble found me anyway. Strictly speaking, I found it as I rounded a bend to discover a low-slung Mercedes skewed across the carriageway. Its bonnet crumpled against the broad trunk of an oak. I'd been deep in thought, and about half of my attention was on driving. I'd expected to see the Mercedes in front of me, a safe distance ahead, as it had been for the last ten miles. Instinct took over. I slammed to a stop inches from the black, shining bodywork of the other car, even as I was still realising what had happened. I switched off my engine and listened. And the silence was too loud. No one stirred in the Mercedes. One occupant, I thought. The driver had been heavy on the accelerator and the brakes, but he hadn't been speeding. A new car, less than six months old. The road was narrow, but the bend wasn't sharp. Why did you crash? Why aren't you getting out of the car to check the damage? Why aren't you on the phone, calling for help? One thing at a time. Swearing under my breath, I started my engine again and reversed my car around the corner so it could sit in the carriageway and stop any other cars from crashing into the Mercedes, its driver and me. That was frankly all that my car was fit for. It was an ancient golf on its sixth and final owner. I was going to take great pleasure in scrapping it one of these days. I left its hazard lights flashing and ran back with a warning triangle to block the road in the other direction. I was hoping to find the driver upright and shaken, but all right, fundamentally. The Mercedes had an exemplary safety record. You couldn't pick a better vehicle to drive into a tree. He would be fine, I assured myself, in spite of feeling the dread that was tightening my jaw. Nothing had changed in the minute or so since I'd come upon the crash. No one moved. Now that I was out of the car, I noticed the hot stink of petrol and engine oil that hung in the air. A slick of liquid had started to pool under the car. Not a problem, I told myself, and hoped I was right about that. Cars didn't just explode when they crashed, unless you were very unlucky. As long as no one lit a cigarette, we should be fine. I didn't smoke, and the driver presumably had other things on his mind. Fear knotted my stomach anyway, as I jogged fifty metres ahead of the crashed car to set up the triangle in the roadway. I had no reason to be afraid, and I had every reason. I approached the Mercedes as if it contained a fully grown tiger and not a fellow motorist in need of urgent assistance. The driver's door was still closed, which worried me. Either he'd made no attempt to get out or he was stuck in there. The white cloud of the deflated airbag hid him from view, but it was another bad sign that he hadn't moved it away from his face. I tried the door and it came open easily despite the damage the car had sustained. German engineering at its best. Hello? Are you all right? Can you hear me? No response. Fuck. I shoved the airbag out of the way so I could see him. Late fifties, grey hair, slumped forward over the wheel. I slid a hand between his jaw and his collarbone looking for a pulse, finding nothing. My internal swearing went up a notch. Move him and I'd risk damaging his spine, leave him where he was and he had no chance whatsoever. No choice, really. I reached across him to undo his seatbelt and pushed him back in his seat, gently, supporting his head as best I could. Maybe I just missed his pulse. His flesh was clammy under my fingers. I was still talking to him, babbling 
cheering nonsense, but not so much as a flicker of awareness crossed his features. All right, mate. I think we need to get you out of the car. I'm on my own, so this might be a bit rough, but bear with me. I emptied his pockets quickly, shoving his phone and wallet into my jeans so they didn't fall onto the road when I lifted him. I slid his seat back as far as it would go, away from the twisted dashboard, then swung his legs out of the car with a silent prayer that I wasn't doing irreparable harm. I tipped his arms over one of my shoulders and leaned into his torso before hoisting him up. Dead weight. The words had never been more appropriate. At least he wasn't very tall, I told myself, my knees buckling as I stepped away from the car and along the roadside towards a flattish bit of grass on the verge. How long since I'd come across the crash? A couple of minutes, no more than that. Time was stretching, as it tended to in a crisis.